0: St. Peter Chrysologus, Second Sermon on the Creed. Blessed Isaias, an evangelist no less than a prophet, deplores his having unclean lips and his dwelling in the midst of a people which has them too. Woe is me, he says, because I am in remorse. Because while I am a man and have unclean lips, I dwell also in the middle of a people that hath unclean lips. I have seen with my eyes the King, the Lord of hosts. Here he is struck with a sorrow more than human, because he is unable to speak, proclaim, and avow all that he feels and sees about God. As much as the flesh is limited, just that much are the lips too narrow for their spirit, and the tongue too short to explain its mind. A roaring fire is shut up in the flesh. It fills the veins with steam, inflames the inmost members, and seethes in the marrow. It always enkindles a man's whole interior because he finds himself unable to express adequately with his mouth what he contemplates in absorption of mind. He cannot pour it out of his lips, adorn it with his language, and put it like steam into his whole speech that is the reason why isaiah swept over his own and his people's unclean lips when he saw the king of heaven that is the christ also when he saw with clear vision that he is the lord of armies for just as confessing christ's divinity enlightens hearts washes mouths and cleanses lips so is denying his majesty, a cause of pollution. But let us hear what a veil there was in that groan of the prophet. And one of the seraphim, scripture says, was sent to me, and in his hand he had a live coal which he had taken with tongs off the altar, and he touched my mouth, saying, Behold, this hath touched thy lips, and hath taken away thy iniquities, and hath cleansed thy sins. This is not the time to tell why precisely one is sent, and who he is who is sent, and how great he is who thus fearlessly carries a live coal of heavenly fire in his hand. Yes, more who so tempers it by his touch that it purifies the lips of the prophet and does not burn them. But let us at this time feel remorse with all the affection of our hearts. Let us admit that we are wretched in this misery of the flesh. Let us weep with holy groans because we too have unclean lips. Let us do all this to make that one of the seraphim bring down to us, by means of the tongs of the law of grace, a flaming sacrament of faith taken for us from the heavenly altar. Let us do this to make him touch the tip of our lips with such delicate touch as to take away our iniquities, purge away our sins, and so enkindle our mouths to the full flame of full praise that the burning will be one unto salvation, not pain. Let us beg, too, that the heat of that coal may penetrate all the way to our hearts. Thus we may draw not only relish for our lips from the great sweetness of this mystery, but also complete satisfaction for our senses and minds. After the cleansing of his lips, Isaias told about that ineffable birth which the Virgin gave to her child. Behold, a Virgin shall conceive in her womb and bear a son. In similar fashion, let us tell about that mystery of the Passion and the glory of the resurrection. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That you have believed in God is something which you rightly confess today when you rejoice over the fact that you have fled away from gods and goddesses of different sects, bewildering in their number, popular because mob-like, base in their lineage, vile in their reputation, Greatest in their wickedness, foremost in sin, and outstanding in evil doing, convicted of all this, even by their very countenance sculptured on the tombs of their devotees. Your joy is proper, because to have such beings, even as one's servants, is wretched, painful, and unfortunate yet, up to the present, you endured them as your masters. Rejoice that you have turned to the one, true, living, and only, but not lonely, God, by saying, I believe in God the Father. The man who names him Father should already acknowledge the Son. For he who has wished to be called a Father, to be denoted as a Father, is kindly making clear that he has a Son, whom he did not receive at any point of time, or beget in time, or have in his care merely for a time. Divinity does not take a beginning, or admit an end, or any succession. It is incapable of any waning. Not amid any pains does God bring forth his Son, He manifests that, because of his powers, the Son is existent. He does not make as something outside himself that being which is from himself, but he generates that being. While the being is inside himself, he discloses and reveals the fact. The Son has proceeded from the Father, but not withdrawn from him. Neither has he come forth from the Father as one destined to succeed the Father, but as one who will remain always in the Father. Hear John's words. He was in the beginning with God. And elsewhere John says, what was from the beginning? Assuredly, that which already was did not come by addition later on. Clearly, that which was did not later take a beginning. I am the first and I am the last, he says. He who is the first is not after someone else. He who is the last does not leave another behind him. When he utters those words, he does not exclude the Father. But he concludes that all things are in both himself and the Father. Let us, however, take up the words that follow and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Kings get new titles from their triumphs, multitudinous epithets derived from the names of the conquered nations. Similarly, Christ gets his names from his titles to his distinctions. Because of the chrism of his anointing, he was named Christ, who as the loving physician poured the unguent of divinity into the already withering members of mortal men. Just as he was was called the Christ from the chrism, so from salvation he was called Jesus, the Savior, who moistened us with his divine unguent precisely to restore certain salvation to the sick and everlasting health to those in desperate need. And in Jesus Christ his only Son, yes, only Son, for although there are many through grace, he is the one and only Son through his nature. Our Lord, who seeks us out, once we have been freed from the control of such great, cruel, and base lords, not to place us in our original state, but to release us into everlasting freedom, who was born from the Holy Spirit. Precisely thus is Christ born for you, in such a way that he may change your own manner of birth as a man, Formerly, death awaited you as the setting sun of your life. He wants you to have a new birth of life, who was born from the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. Where the Spirit is begetting and a virgin giving birth, everything carried on is divine. Nothing of it is merely human. Neither is there any place for weakness where power is united to power. Adam was put into a deep sleep that a virgin might be taken from the virile half of the race. Now the virgin was amazed that mankind was to be renewed from a virgin. What will nature be able to claim as her own from such a great birth in which While she sees her order being renewed and all her rights being changed, she perceives with wonder that her creator has come into his own offspring. Let faithless men, if they will, think this something cheap. To believers, it is a great mystery. Who was crucified under Pontius Pilate and was buried? You hear the name of the Judge, that you may recognize the exact time of Christ's passion. You hear that he was crucified, that you may acknowledge that the salvation once lost for us has been restored through exactly that through which it has been lost. Also, that you may see the life for believers hanging there where death had hung for faithless men. You perceive that he was buried, that his death may not be deemed something merely feigned. This is a sign of divine power. When death itself dies because of a death, when the author of death is maimed by his own sword point, and the pirate is captured by his own prey, hell is deprived of the life it has already swallowed. The third day he rose again from the dead. Christ devoted the three days of his burial to the three abodes he was going to profit, the region beneath the earth, the earth, and heaven. He was going to restore the things in heaven, repair those on earth, And redeem those beneath the earth in order that by this symbol of a three day period he might open up the grace of the Trinity to men for their salvation. He ascended into heaven. He ascended not to take himself back into heaven, for he had always remained there, but rather to carry you there, whom he freed bound as you were and snatched away from hell. O man, understand whence and where God has raised you in order to give a firm footing in heaven to you who on earth were on slippery footing and always liable to fall. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The Father, however, has nothing at his left hand. Our profession of belief is giving not the places where the divine persons sit, but indications of their excellence. God cannot have places, and divinity admits nothing sinister. Whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Let it so be with regard to the living, but how will he be able to judge the dead? why those whom we regard as dead are living. Therefore, admit that those whom the pagan world thinks have perished will arise again to be judged, that those who have died and will be found to be living may give an account both of their deeds and their life. I believe in the Holy Spirit. After you have acknowledged the mystery of the assuming of flesh, You should acknowledge the divinity of the Spirit, so that the unity and equality of the Trinity, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may through all things, and in all things, protect and hold firm the entire truth contained in our profession of faith. The Holy Catholic Church. Yes, because neither are the members separated from the head, nor the spouse, From her husband. But by such a union, the Church becomes one Spirit. She becomes all things, and God is in them all. Therefore he believes in God who acknowledges the Holy Church as something united to God. And the remission of sins. He who is confident that his sins can be forgiven through Christ brings that forgiveness to himself. The Resurrection of the Body If you believe that through God's power you can arise from death, you believe well. For him, the elements always start anew. For example, season from season, day from night, seeds germinating from the spot where they were planted. Since these come back to life, Surely you cannot perish utterly. Neither will it be difficult for God to do for you in your old age what you yourself do in the case of seed. Life Everlasting This faith, this mystery, is not something to be consigned to notepaper or written by letters because papers and letters remind us of objects to be cared for more than grace. But where that divine gift, the grace of God, exists, faith suffices to serve as a contract, and the recesses of the heart are enough to contain the secret. Thus, the divine witness can know the terms in this creed of salvation, this contract of life, while the false witness remains ignorant of it. Sign yourselves. And may the Lord himself, our God, guard your senses and your hearts. May he be present as your supporter to assist you in those matters which he has commanded.